Welcome to another episode of the Ambry Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Hannah. Hannah is a passionate creative and coach who believes in the power of self-discovery and personal growth. Having transformed her own life and created a business by using the principles of honoring her own needs, discovering her true desires, and keeping her word to herself, she knows that anyone can do the same. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> well, I'm excited that you're here. Could you tell people a little bit in your own words who you are, what you do, what you're about? Yeah, so I'm Hannah Hassler, and I have had one of those kind of uh, varying careers where I've done lots of <laughs> lots of things. So as a correctional officer, I've been a middle school English teacher, um, but now I am fully online, um, remote, and I primarily do one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, with women who are looking to create some change. Um, and that came about because you know, I was dealing with a lot of stress and struggles and different things in my life. And so kind of my own daily practices and, and things that I implemented to change my life, um, that really made a difference for me and other things that I love sharing with other people. Awesome. And so when we talk about your own journey and having to come to terms with yourself and live and define for yourself, can you take us a little bit through that? Yeah. So when I was teaching full time, there are many rewarding things about teaching, right, that make it a really um, excellent job. And then there are also <laughs> a lot of really hard things about teaching. It's a really high stress, high pressure environment, um, especially if you are teaching a grade level that um, has a lot of state testing, uh, which I was. Um, so I was teaching and um, I started having these panic attacks during the day and it was always on my conference period. And so, you know, in my mind, it was kind of like I would go home and say to my husband, like, at least it's on my conference period, you know, like, and it's not happening, <laughs> you know, like in front of a room of 30 kids. Um, so I, I was kind of, you know, trying to see the bright side. And then I, I kind of have this realization, like, yes, it's happening, like when I'm in a room by myself, and it's quiet, like all of a sudden, I it's like everything just starts to fall apart. Um, and kind of having this realization that like, this life isn't working. Um, and kind of running parallel to this, I was starting to have a lot of stomach problems. And I saw a GI specialist and um, she ended up diagnosing new stress induced IBS. And her take on it was like, if you don't want to do permanent damage to your stomach, you should find a different job. Um, so <laughs> but wow. between my, yeah, like, you know, so I started seeing a counselor and, um, and kind of trying to work through and I felt a lot of guilt about thinking of leaving teaching, you know, it's like I invested a lot of money and time and energy into getting the education and the qualifications to become a teacher. And I care about my students. And, you know, there's so much pressure, like good teachers come early and they stay late and they go to the weekend events and they prepare engaging lessons and they do this and they do that. And they're all the things for all the people all the time. And that's what it means to be a good teacher. Um, and so I felt a lot of stress around like, what, so you just don't care about being a good teacher, <laughs> oh, but, um, but also kind of reaching a point where it's like, okay, I need to be able to, to kind of prioritize and honor what's, what's happening in my life right now. Mm -hmm. And in my life, this isn't working. Um, so that was kind of like my lead up to, I need to transition out of this. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, 
it was a whole ordeal. Is that when you transitioned into being a correctional officer? And I did corrections first, actually. Yeah, so I did, I was a correctional officer in a state women's prison in South Dakota. And then when my husband and I moved, um, well, we got married and I transferred to a juvenile facility, which interestingly was much more stressful than working in an adult facility. Um, and then when we moved to South, uh, to Texas, um, I wasn't able to get any prison jobs. They were very heavy veterans preference. And, you know, so they got a lot of, oh, you're highly qualified, but we're only hiring veterans right now. Um, so then I went back and finished the coursework that I needed to be able to teach and I got certified. So then I went into the classroom. So. And then you found uh, you have to change your direction. You have to change your career. What was yeah. next out of that? Well, first off, how did you even get to the acceptance part of I, I'm going to have to change the the direction of my life yet again? Yeah, so I think a huge part of that was going through counseling. Um, and I had two bouts of counseling. My first round, there wasn't anything wrong with the counselor. Like, she didn't do a bad job. Like, I just didn't quite feel like I had the connection with her, I guess, or... Um, and so the, but my second round, um, I just felt like I really lucked out with the therapist that I ended up with. And it was, um, and so I, I did therapy every week for that, my last year in school. Um, and a huge part of the things we focus on were things like being able to take up space and have a voice and have more agency in my life. Um, you know, and, and so kind of working through a lot of the guilt I felt about the thought of leaving teaching, um, but also the ability to say, this isn't good for me or my life. And I don't have to do that just because I'm serving other people, um, you know, which most of the jobs that I've had have been based in social services or even corrections is very service oriented if you have a service oriented heart. Um, and so, so a lot of that guilt, I kind of process and I, I feel like for me being in weekly counseling um like i had a counselor who was very open to like hey let's try some other alternatives like we can do guided visualizations right we could do some yoga or breath work um we could try some mantras and so a lot of my first experiences with some of these things that are like pretty common in the online personal development space uh, for me were actually like in person with an actual counselor um and those types of practices were just really transformative for me and for my life and then um I fully transitioned out of teaching um, earlier than I expected to because my husband um, got a job offer in Arizona. Mm -hmm. So we moved. And interestingly, when we got here, <clears throat> they're having some teacher shortages here. And so I got multiple job offers really quickly because I went in to register to be a sub. Um, and I had multiple principals like, you don't need to be a sub. Like, you're fully licensed. Like, we will offer you. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I had been doing that work of like, this isn't good for me. Or I feel like we would have moved here and I would have picked up a teaching position and very quickly just kind of got sucked back into that role. Um, so I think a lot of the work that I had done leading up to it gave me the ability to say like, no at least for one semester I'm gonna try I'm gonna have full confidence that I can try this online world and something that I think is gonna work better for me if it doesn't work I can always go back to teaching but I want to believe in myself and give this a chance right right and so how did you come into coaching yeah so I actually started um 
as a VA and like my, my opening journey into the online world was through a group coaching program um, that was for women who wanted to transition to a virtual lifestyle. So that's where I started. And it was my first ever like online investment in terms of working with people I'd never met before. Everything's online, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I mean, again, I felt like in some ways I kind of left out in that it was, you know, I've heard people's horror stories, but my experience was amazing. Um, so I got started there. So I was working in the back end of a ton of coaches' businesses. Um, so everyone was kind of in personal development or in coaching. And so I've seen all the systems and, and kind of the back ends of all of those. And I did love that. And it was a really nice starting point. And definitely, if you've ever considered wanting to launch an online business, but you're not sure about it, starting as a VA is awesome because you see all the systems, all the, the ways of doing things. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I started with that in January of 2019. And then towards the end of that year, I was like, okay, I think I, I see how it works. I'm getting a feel for the industry. Um, pretty much now the service-based clients, I still have a few. I primarily do writing-based tasks. So a lot of like sales pages or email sequences. So I have a few clients I still do that for and course strategy. I do lots of courses. Um, so the teaching background helps with right. that. Um, but I also was like, I don't want to do service based. So I don't sign new clients for that. And there's still people I'll, I'll work with, but um, that's not like a passion for me. I really want to work with women one-on-one um, -on -one <clears throat> to help them kind of sort through some of these things that I know have been transformative for me. Um, so that's when I kind of rearranged to offer some one-on-one -on -one programs. And now... I love the idea of doing a group program, but so far I only do one-on-one -on -one coaching uh, with people who are really serious about, hey, let's come in and let's create some changes. Um, and so much of that, you know, the desire comes from the clients. No one can give you a desire to personally grow, but if you have the desire, investing in some form of guidance, whether it's a group program or a coach or a therapist, depending where you are and what makes sense for you, is so transformative in terms of really, really seeing the growth that you know you want to see for yourself, in my opinion. And what can a woman expect? Because you work primarily with women. Mm -hmm. So what can a woman expect working with you? What does that first few months look like? Yeah, so typically... I have like a workbook and so where we meet every week on the phone, we have a one-on-one -on -one call, usually on Zoom, so it's face-to-face, -face. we can see each other, uh, we really focus on you and your needs, um, and then I'll do, I like to do a mix of email follow-up or voice message follow-up kind of throughout the week, um, where usually I'm checking in on things we've talked about, right? Like on Monday on our call, you are really passionate about doing X, Y, Z, or, you know, committing to having this conversation or doing this self-care thing. So by Wednesday or Thursday, sometimes, you know, our, <laughs> our attention span or our interest or our remembrance of how much it mattered has started to fade. So, um, you know, whether it's email or voicemail, I love to just kind of check in and say, how is this? How is this going? I know this matters to you. And I know life is busy. Um, but where are you at with it? Um, and then also I do like a weekly kind of workbook that I send out and a lot of what we establish are daily practices, right? Things that you're going to be able to do. Yes. Well, you're working with me, but also always. Right. And I kind of think of daily practices as having three main categories. 
There's rhythm practices, and those are your everyday, whether you call it a routine or a ritual or just a practice, uh, right? Those things that we do every day. And they don't usually have any sort of measurable outcome attached. So if it's a gratitude practice or a journaling practice, right, you're not measuring any sort of growth outcome. It's about you get up and you do this every day, and it's just good for your soul, right? right. It's a good practice and habit, whether you're feeling it, whether you're not feeling it, you get up and you do it. Um, then there's self-care practices. So those I think of more as like a bank of things. Uh, you may not do them every day. Um, like you don't do each practice every day, but you should build in time to pull a practice out of that bank, right? So maybe it's calling your sister or treating yourself to Starbucks or taking a hot bath or doing an extra yoga session, right? You're not gonna do all of these things all of the time, but you should be building in time to practice self-care and kind of have a bank you can pull from. It's easy, you don't have to think about what you can do. You just know, I need to care for myself. Here's things that feel good, right? Whether it's 10 minutes or an hour, I'm gonna do the thing that feels good. Um, and then there's productivity practices. <clears throat> and those do tend to be outcome-based, right? Whether you're trying to write a book or run a marathon or start your business, um, there are practices that we can figure out, hey, this is the thing you need to do if you wanna go from point A to point B. Um, and whether you're doing it every day or every week, it's something that we build in and we are measuring outcomes on that. Right. Are you progressing? Are you moving the needle? Are you growing? Um, so the productivity practices are often often daily practices. Um, but unlike kind of those rhythm practices, we are looking for growth and we are going to need to change things if we don't see growth. Um, so I kind of see those like three containers as ways to think about practices we build into our lives um, that do make a difference in you know, the kind of uh, compound um, over time as you implement them. Right. And, and it seems that by concentrating on all three areas, you're, you're looking kind of at a 360 view of your lifestyle of how you participate in your life. Um, and, and that's important because sometimes we're going to run into a blockage that um, maybe the gratitude practice or the journaling practice will help us push through or other times mm -hmm. maybe it's that product you know productivity practice yeah. or that extra bit of yoga that we do mm -hmm. that needs to happen to push us through um and so for what what are some of the practices that you like what are some of your rhythm practices or some of your you know dailies that you still use yeah so my rhythm practices i really love uh, morning pages which comes uh, the big idea comes from Julia Cameron, although I've kind of, you know, adapted it, my own little personalized version, uh, which is just um, one of the first things I do in the morning is sitting down and journaling, usually about three pages. You can do it as a free write, um, or like sometimes I have some some prompts that I like. Um, Carolyn Elliott has this journaling philosophy that's, um, or practice that's about uh, what is beautiful in my life and what is true in my life. Uh, so a lot of times in my morning pages, I have like a dump page that's just like, Woo, here's all the things. <laughs> here's all of them. Yeah. yeah. But I like to do then like a paragraph or a half page and what is beautiful in my life and what is true in my life, because I find those things really grounding and centering and they kind of shift me into a really positive perspective, um, which I personally find helpful. I'm not one of these like smell the roses people that tends to naturally exist in a really like truth and light stage unless I make an effort to be like there is good there is beautiful and I'm choosing to see that <laughs> so 
But for me, like I need to intentionally bring it in because it doesn't seem to just as naturally float into my mind. Uh, and then I also love um, the deepest fears inventory, which is a way of kind of digging a little deeper. Um, so essentially, and that's a Karen El Carolyn Elliott tool also, um, but essentially with that, you're acknowledging, okay, most of us have things in our life that we say that we have wanted often for a long time that are not in our lives right now, <laughs> right? So whether for you, that's like the book you've talked about writing for five years or the podcast you're always going to start next month or the 20 pounds you're going to lose. And every January 1st, you say you're going to lose the weight, you know, like we all have things that we talk about that don't happen. Uh, so with the deepest fears inventory, you're kind of examining what parts of yourself apparently are resistant to that thing happening. So the opening statement is always essentially the same. You pick something you desire and you, uh, so let's say, let's do writing a book. And you write, I absolutely refuse to write and publish a book because, and then you list 15 to 20 reasons that you may refuse to write that book. Right. And I've actually done that one. And for me, a lot of things came up around visibility. Like my family and friends might actually read it. <laughs> and like that, you know, like a lot of stressors come up around the things that might happen if we achieve the things that we say we want to achieve. And, you know, it's easy to say, I want to write a book. And then somehow it just never gets written and never gets written. And oh, I'm so busy. And, you know, there's just, um, but when you sit down and do the deepest fears inventory, a lot of times you find out like, oh, there's parts of me, serious parts of me that have dug their heels in that are very uncomfortable with the idea of me doing the thing that I say that I want. And so getting to the heart of like, okay, very nice that you can say out loud you want this. You haven't achieved it. And there's a reason why. So I love that practice. And it just really helps me be like, oh, there's some interesting, interesting living beliefs. It, it, it really does bring to the top of what it is you need to work on in mm -hmm. order to achieve what you want. And I think that a lot of us, we stay if we're, we're scared to go down that path because it's yeah. it's negative or uh, we're not looking at the right things we need to stay on the positive yeah. side and we need to just keep reminding ourselves that we can do this and push through push through is huge but if we just took a little bit of that time and did that practice and we really looked at and put words to and and named the fears that we're we're battling mm -hmm. again now we have to face them we have to face them and we either have to overcome them or we have to accept them and sometimes that acceptance of fear is is pretty hard. Yeah. And I think it is so powerful, you know, so if you do the deepest fears, fears inventory and you find out something like, okay, that's, that is big for me, you know, this kind of block or whatever, then you do have some options, right? You have the option to say, honestly, there's a lot of unresolved stuff there. And I'm going to, I, I think I need to have a conversation with, you know, my dad or my mom or this person that I'm, I'm so afraid of them reading my book that I won't write a book and put it out into the world. Like right. a conversation needs to happen. Or sometimes the reality is it's okay to just say, wow, it is stressful for me to think of them reading my book. But the fear of their opinion cannot be enough to stop me. And I can let that feel uncomfortable and just acknowledge, wow, thinking of them reading my book is really uncomfortable. But 
it's not enough to change my life. I'm going to. And even just letting yourself see that is a source of stress and I feel it. And that's the little hidden barrier that honestly, every time I don't take 30 minutes to sit down and write my book, that's the barrier. That's the thing that I'm really afraid of. And it's okay to just say, huh, that is a source of stress. And but also me sitting in, in writing on my computer for 30 minutes, that like that doesn't automatically connect to, oh, and now they've read it and it's terrible, right? Like what if you just like writing your book and spending 30 minutes every day writing, they're not reading that yet. You don't have to cross that bridge every time even just the thought of writing a paragraph in private on your computer <laughs> comes to your mind. Why don't you write the book and then you can cross that bridge of, you know, whatever the, the other fear is when you come to it. And that's okay. You don't have to, you know, cross every bridge the second that you have the moment of stress. And so there are ways of kind of dealing with those, those fears that can kind of help either alleviate them or help you walk through them. Um, and I think that, you know, kind of working with a coach or a therapist might also, you know, help if, depending on what the issue is and what's coming up for you. Right. Because to put it in perspective, you you have to be able to manage the stress, the, manage the fear, manage the stress that the fear causes. Because um, uh, maybe the book never gets published. Maybe mm -hmm. you're meant to write 30 days because you need to get a, you need to get something out there. Mm -hmm. You need to see yeah. something tangible because there's going to be some growth in that in any exercise mm -hmm. you want to do. Like if you wanted to become a yoga instructor, but you're like, ah, but what will people think if I do that? Maybe you need to go through that practice because you're going to yeah. find something else out through that journey or when you, when you get to the other side. Yes. And I think it's like, there's so many things too that I think there are just parts of you that need to be kind of honored and seen, you know, like I've, you know, personally been someone who tends to take on kind of a protective role or a mediating role for people um, and will sometimes kind of minimize myself, right? I become very small and like, I don't have needs and I don't even need to have a voice or matter. Like, let me just like make sure your life is working for you. <laughs> like I, I've had that tendency in my life. Um, and when I start to then look at roles where it's like, you know, I'm going to have a voice. I'm going to be on people's podcasts. I'm going to do lives. I'm going to put content out. Um, part of me really wants to do that. And there's, there was a part of me that had a really hard time kind of shifting that corner. Um, and part of that was about, Oh, you know, in the past, if minimizing myself and being voiceless and being small was about making other people feel better and, and I'm being selfless and I'm amplifying them well, now to have a voice makes me feel like I'm selfish and I'm trying to elbow my way in and do I deserve that space? And so I think like part of doing the deepest fears inventory can help you see, oh, like there's a part of me that is afraid that I'll just be this selfish, loud person that's taking up too much room and suffocating other people because I know what it's like to feel suffocated and small because everybody else, you know? And so like, honoring the part of yourself that for a long time was really small or really voiceless because they felt like they had to be and and just recognizing that and and allowing yourself to say I have been that and I did that because I felt like I needed to maybe to protect myself or maybe to protect people I cared about but in this next stage I don't want to protect myself in that way right I'm gonna be okay being bigger 
because I, I don't need the same amount of protection. And, and so sometimes it's even just about recognizing I did those things for a purpose or for a reason. And I did that to serve myself or protect myself. And that's okay. And I can honor myself for that. I don't have to feel bad about it or make it a weird, shamey thing. That was who I was when I thought that's what I needed to be. And now I'm choosing to be bigger or to be different or to grow in a different way. And I'm going to give myself peace and freedom to be that. And it can feel really exciting and life-giving and kind of to that point about <laughs> there's a lot of the like positivity and manifestation and focus on the good and, you know, you attract what you focus on. So why would I ever want to say, you know, the, the statement of like, I won't allow myself to write the book or, um, but I think sometimes we get to the, the love and light side a little bit too fast. And we don't give ourselves time to even just see, well, there is a shadow there or there has been pain there. And it's okay to see that and kind of use it to propel you to the next step. You don't have to pretend it away. And sometimes I feel like that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. And you have to do that shadow work. You have to. Yeah. Um, right now, you're currently offering a 90-day coaching container for mm -hmm. women who are ready to stop trying to change themselves and finally begin to know themselves, which is what we've been talking about. Um, and then that alignment of with who they truly are. Can you tell folks how they can find you, get in touch with you and participate? Yeah. So I am on Instagram, just Instagram, uh, Hannah underscore Hassler. Um, and also my website is Rorschach, your reality. Uh, spelled like the inkblot testing. <laughs> and that's a whole attachment to the concept of the way that you choose to perceive things and what you choose to see um, highly impacts your reality and, and the way that you live your life. Uh, so you can find me on my website. You can find me on Instagram, on Facebook. I'm Hannah Hassler. Uh, you're welcome to friend or follow. Send me a DM. Um, or if you're on the site and you like to email, um, I'm pretty good about responding on all the social channels. So however you, however your preferred method of finding me is, um, if you reach out, I'll go back. Wonderful. And I'm, all the links are going to be in the show notes. So, um, and in the episode guide. So if anyone is hearing this, listening and going, Hey, you know, I just, I would just want to have a conversation or I'm interested in the program, please reach out to Hannah um, because as you can see, she's excited to talk to you. Yes. Uh, yes. I love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciated you taking the time out. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad that this worked. Thank you to all the sponsors of the Embry podcast. Without you guys, we couldn't keep bringing you shows week after week. Special shout out to our co-producers, Jay Beam and T. Martin. You ladies are amazing and your support means the world to me. If you'd like to be a live audience member, you can find us at www.patreon.com forward slash Anbry. You'll get to see and hear all of the interviews before they hit the airwaves, get access to Q&A and bonus content from and with our guests. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.